Good afternoon and welcome back to Coping with Jesus. This is Julie Majofsky, your host for today. My cohort Donna is actually traveling and unavailable. So joining me today, we have Eve Rossi. Thank you. And Beth Summers, our Thank friends. Thank you. Thank you, friends, for making me not be all alone today. I don't think people want to just hear me talk because that's not fun. But anyway. Um, so as I was, um, getting ready, I quickly looked at the parable that we're going to talk about. So this season, I believe this is episode four of season seven, um, we're going through some of the parables that Jesus used to, um, teach the, the lessons that God had sent him to teach us. And so today we're going to talk about the parable of the um, weeds among the wheat. And I'm going to read from Matthew 13, um, which is uh, starting in verse 24. So basically, in the chapter of Matthew, Jesus is actually giving um, those that are listening to him um, down by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he's giving them a couple different parables, but this one in particular is the one that we wanted to talk about. So we start with uh, verse 24. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, Do you want us to pull them up? And he replied, No, if you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, harvesters First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. So, again, this is a chapter in which, actually, Jesus talks a lot about planting of seeds. The next one comes the mustard seed, and, and prior to that he talks about the sower um, and the farmer where throwing just seeds haphazardly among the rocks. So Jesus must have really been in a farming kind of mood that day as he was, <laughs> as he was teaching on the seashore. Um, do you guys have any thoughts about that? What, what, if anything, is really kind of standing out there for you? Well, the, the first thought that I had is at the beginning of the parable when he says, an enemy, I think I have a different version, but an enemy went at night and threw around weed seeds. Right. Bad seeds. <laughs> Not weeds. <laughs> seeds that are bad that for were you. bad. And I always, when I read this and I hear it, I think, why would anyone go to the effort right. to go to their farmer neighbor's field and so bad seeds. Isn't that other farmer busy enough right. trying to keep track of his own field? And who's collecting weed seeds? Who's by the collecting way? those seeds? Yeah, and why? <laughs> why exactly? To, to do just that? To to 
you know, throw them all over your, your neighbors. But that, that's always the first thing I think of when I hear, I'm like, why, why would you do that? Why would someone do this? Um, but I love the visual of weeds being able to, or, or the good seed being able to grow among weeds. Right. I just have that visual in my, in my head, thinking of my, the chives in my garden. And when I do cut the chives, there are always some things that I'm cutting that are not chives. Mm -hmm. And I always, you know, they they blew in there or they grew in there or they're in the dirt or whatever. I just really like the visual of good seed growing among bad. Right. Right. You know, and, and, and we break it down. You know, I was trying to look deeper into this and, and realizing what he was more or less saying to us is that, you know, the field that he sows is, is our world, you know, and then the bad seeds are the enemies or people and so many of them, each seed, that was the confusing part, too, because he spoke not just of one kind of seed. He talked about different seeds, you know, how some seeds didn't, you know, maybe make it into the soil and, you know, maybe birds or something took it away. And, you know, it's just so I think as I looked into this, I was trying to get them trying to feel what the message was for us. And, you know, more or less what was coming to me was that, you know, we're, we're going to have people that are going to be in our lives or in the world that maybe aren't going to be necessarily going to think the same way we are, you know, in a Christian way. And, and I was kind of thinking that maybe he was referring to the bad seeds of being the enemy. Right. And he referred to it a lot as the devil and things that I read that the devil was right. throwing out. And he didn't want us really to um, pick out the bad seeds because he wanted us to all grow together. Right, you know, so that more or less learn from one another because it gets deeper into the fact that us being more tolerant and patient, and you know, and I'm thinking, wow, this is a pretty heavy, you know, there's a lot of facets. There are to this. There are the know? one thing that I looked at is that there's like seven elements of this particular one particular yeah. story, and again, there are I think four parables within this chapter of Matthew, okay. all right in an order. Um, but this one particular parable has like just seven elements: the owner, which you know, is the one who sows the good seed, the the, and that could be compared to the Lord, um, and then. The enemy is the bad seed. Uh, the seed itself, the good seeds, is the son of king. The the sons of the kingdom, the weeds are the sons of evil. You know that's according to Matthew. Um, the field itself, and then you talk about how that it was a rich soil that grew both good and bad. So that's our world itself. Um, so there's just a lot of different elements. That was five. That, you said seven. 
I know. Did you miss well, two? Just wonder, okay, okay, so then there's the question, you know, why, Master, did you not want us to sow the good seed? How do you want us to get rid of oh, the weeds? that's a good element, yeah. Um, One the more. The growth itself and the harvest. So it's all, it's all very um, interesting that it has so many layers like that of an onion. Yeah, each, each one has so many layers. Right, right. And I think of what we tell our kids. Yeah. Um, we are hoping they're the good seeds and the outside influences in the world right. are good seeds as well, but also seeds that we don't want them to be influenced by um, ideas that we don't believe in mm-hmm. or that are selfish. Right. Or that are evil. We we hope that they are, um, again, not necessarily just hanging out with other kids who are the same as them, who think the same way. We want them to be exposed to ideas yep. that they can um, discern what is right and wrong. Right. And they need to also, you know, make decisions for themselves as to who are the right people to hang up, hang out with. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Not just the, they themselves become good or bad seeds, but the seeds that, you know, they live among. Well, and, but being tolerant, too. Yes. I mean, that's the other thing, too. And how many times did we, I'm sorry. Nope. I was just going to say. You go. How many times did we have we told our kids, you be the good influence. Mm-hmm. You be the one that maybe is the person that is the stronger one that says, well, that's wrong. Right. Or that's mean. Or that's, you know, bullying, hopefully. We want to teach yep. our children to be the good seed. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, my oldest son is, you know, going through some more um, some more issues as far as, you know, just growing. He's He'll be 22. You know, he feels that he's not in... Um, the position that his other friends are in, that they're ready to graduate and get jobs. He's still going to be studying for a while because he changed his major. But um, the other day I was saying to him, you are a good man. And he said, I don't feel like a good man. I don't think I am because he has these doubts and he has these, you know, um, this judgment of himself and, um, I just, I, I hurt for him because the things that he's judging of himself are, are not anything that anybody is judging. And I had to remind him of, you know, for example, he feels guilty because of, you know, feeling a certain way. And I said, you know, honey, there are people that don't even feel guilt. And I said, you know, look at it. Maybe your guilt is a blessing because you do realize the blessings that you have in your life. You may feel guilty because you are still upset knowing that they're blessings. Um, I said, but at least your humility is that you know that you do have it better than many other people out there in the world. Um, And so it was interesting conversation that we had yesterday and it was it was almost like the catalyst that kind of snapped him back and he said I've never really thought of it that way you know I've only ever felt bad about not feeling 
grateful for what I have. And now I guess I need to look at it like, okay, I at least, I recognize that and that too is a blessing. That was the first, the first word that I thought of when you started talking about this was humility. Mm-hmm. He is a very humble person. Yes. There's such a fine line between being humble and being down on yourself. Yeah, right. And he is a good man. He is. He is a good man. You know, and when we talk about seeds, you know, what we don't realize too is, is the soil that we grew up in. You know? Yeah. I, I, I kind of look back at, you know, my seed was planted in a family that had basically good soil mm-hmm. to, start, to start with. You know, um, not to say that any any seed can't grow, even if the soil isn't as rich. And I don't mean monetarily, right, right. But monetarily, you know, um, um, I think sometimes when I think of rich, I think of rich maybe with, you know, love and caring mm-hmm. or um, direction. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can give your children, you know, um, some don't always have that, but not to always say believe as their journey goes on with the grace of God, you know, their, their soil will become very rich and they can learn, learn from that, yeah. you know, um, you know, yeah, I you know when I say soil, you know, kind of doesn't want me to pinpoint or you know, I mean, soil. This is good soil. That's not so good soil. Well, what makes good soil bad soil? You know, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's it's um, when you look at the soil as your world, a larger world, and also your small smaller world. I think that's a that's a good way to look at this parable, particularly. Yeah, because you know? this parable really gets into. I mean, we're not just they're using words that are to describe, you know, soil. You know, describing as our our basics, our right. basics that we were, you know. Our environment. Right. Yeah, our environment. Yeah, where we started growing. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also, I mean, I don't know, I didn't read all of this stuff that I have printed in front of me or anything, but I'm just, as we're speaking, I'm also thinking, you know, how, what grace it is to, that in in this parable story, Jesus didn't have the weeds pulled up because, just because someone starts off in not such a good way, that doesn't mean that that's the way they're going to be forever. And in those cases, even the bad weeds or the weeds that were the the seeds that were bad, um, they did help the wheat grow in such that it didn't strangle that the wheat, you know, it intermingled with the wheat. um, And had it been removed, that wheat would have been destroyed. And so to me, it's also like a lesson in that we can't just throw anyone away. 
whether we think they're good or not. In our in our judge in our judgy world, we we can't throw anyone away because the Lord Jesus sees good in everybody, you know, and that's and usefulness in everybody. But it determines on that particular person if they want to accept that and move in the right direction. You know, so I don't know, all these parables, all these things that, that Jesus taught, it just, it seems so, it seems so like basic, but then you again, continue to peel through and, and look at it. And it's, it's so complex at the same time. The story is not as simple as it seems. I right. kind of wonder what the, you know, were there people that did understand it at that time? Maybe not. Maybe they just thought he was a good storyteller. Right. Well, I mean, further down, like in, in um, the same chapter on, in verse 36, I think it is, he, they approached, the, the disciples approached him and said, explain this to us. Why are you doing this? Why are you teaching us in parables? And he's basically saying it's, you already understand my word. You already understand why I came. You already understand my purpose. And I have to speak in these parables for others to understand. And it was foretold in the, it was prophesized. Mm-hmm. You know, the prophets said that the son of man would come and speak in parables. So, I mean, he had no choice. He kind of had to do it. Where I think I might have seen somewhere is that they do they did not accept it any other way to understand if it wasn't you know what I mean. So if he just kept preaching and preaching, they probably a lot of people may have thought, oh, okay, I we, you've said this already, you've said it before. We yeah. we know what you're trying to tell us, maybe in a parable right. by saying it another way. Again, it was in story form, yeah, yeah, with a little symbolism and. And maybe more people would have listened. Right. Well, and that's how they recognized. I think that's how some of them recognized him to be who they, who he said he was, Mm -hmm. you know, because of all the fulfillments of the prophecies and all uh, what, what they had learned. Cause remember most of these people were not, could not read. It was what they had been taught from an early age, again, but only usually the men, not the ladies, um, or not the girls, but they had been taught, this is what the Son of Man will do. This is what the Son of Man will say. And so, you know, because he also they, he, he was completely different than what they thought he was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, they thought he was going to come and conquer Roman and he did, just in a different way. Did. But yeah, so, so far, this has been a very good um, series. I think that, you know, all the conversations have been very eye-opening and exciting. Um, and in each case, I've thought I've learned something new. Because that's another one of those things. You hear these parables and you're like, oh, I've heard this a million times. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I love the parables. I do yeah. too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, a lot of times I think, okay, that message is just too obvious. But now they're not as as obvious, I guess, as we think, because if you you start talking about about it. Right. Right. Hear different things. Yeah. So do you have more there? Eve, I see you have quite a bit of papers with some highlighting in there. Um, I I just, well, let me see. There was one thing that I had come across that I I wasn't, you know, um, Jesus uses his name, the Son of Man, and he uses it like, 84 times, because even I questioned, okay, the Son of Man, is that, is that, is that Jesus? Yes. Is that who he's referring to? You know, I thought it was, but then as I read it, I, I saw that, you know, it was actually spelled real clear for me. Sometimes, <laughs> it's usually with a capital S. Yes, yes. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I need to have things go, well... Oh, how clear do you need to have it? You know, <laughs> he's the son of man. I go, I know, but right. So eighty-four times. It's a lot of times. Lot times. It is a lot of times. No. Not as many times though as he says, "Do not be afraid." And that was how many times? Three hundred and sixty-five. Once for every day. Right. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool how that all works out. And who was the person that decided to count that one time? Yeah, I, I don't know. It must have been an assignment. Some teacher gave that as an assignment <laughs> to count. It was math and religion yeah. at the same time, right? Right. Oh, those teachers. <laughs> oh, man. So thank you for coming today, and thank you for your insight and your wisdom. Um, I think, Beth, you said you had a nice prayer for us as we head out. Keep talking. Just one second here. Okay, stop talking. (laughs) This is one of my favorite prayers. It's called The Road Ahead by Thomas Merton. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. 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 Thank you. I needed to hear that today. (laughs) Yeah. Love that prayer. That was beautiful. All right. And thank you all for joining us. And again, you know, share this pair, share this. podcast. That's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Um, If you like this or definitely listen to the rest of this season or past seasons, send us information or if you'd like to hear more, 
uh, at info at stwalterchurch.com. This is Julie Majofsky and Beth and Eve, and we bid you a goodbye. <laughs>